0: Welcome, and you're listening to Geekologist Radio, a division of the Ninja Pancake family of podcasts, and meow. Shut up and sit down. Welcome to the spoiler cast for The Last Jedi. Uh, for Geekologist Radio. We were on the last time on October 11th for the previous uh, Last Jedi trailer, the the second to last trailer that came out, and we talked about the fact that we were going to have a spoiler cast, and man, I've been chomping at the bit since seeing this on Thursday. I have come around the world and then again on this entire movie. I am so jazzed to talk about uh, The Last Jedi. I'm here with Brandon and uh, with Dave. Uh, Guys, Let's start out. What are your thoughts about The Last Jedi? We're going to go spoiler free for the first like four or five minutes on this. What are your initial thoughts of what it's like and, and you know, just anything that you, you know, all the emotions that come out with, with The Last Jedi?
1: Okay, so I drove 200 miles each way to get to the theater because I went and seen an IMAX 3D, recliner seats. Dad went all out for the tickets for us. This
0: is basically my end of the year Christmas bonus. It was awesome. And Dave, you just saw this like you just you went today, which is better because like now I've had time to decompress you. This is like raw emotion. Like I just went to the theater and saw this with my family. What was it like for you? What was it like for your family? Oh, it was it was fantastic.
2: So I had to wait because, you know, my sister said, all right, we got to go. And I want to go with your kids at the same time. We haven't been to a Star Wars movie in the theater, you know, with her nephews like she wanted to be there. So the time we could make that work was today, Sunday. And uh, so it was hard, <laughs> you know, we stayed off of social media and everything for, for several days. And I feel like I've, I've come back into the world again, uh, but it was totally worth it. I, you know, I, I walked out of the theater just elated and it took a while to kind of process and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still kind of processing a lot went on in that movie. But I my initial reaction was just I thought it was the joyful, fun Star Wars movie that I was hoping to see.
0: I, uh, I had an opportunity to go with my nine-year-old, and, like, we've made it a tradition now. We went and saw The Force Awakens, and we've also seen uh, Rogue One, and it was the most excited I've seen him um, in a, a theater, and that includes The Force Awakens, because he was really excited about it in a while. The opening sequence was enough to, like, get him juiced, like, that, the action-packed at the beginning, and I don't want to talk, you know, I'm not going to go into spoilers about the beginning part of the movie, but it was enough to get him excited about it, and then when we left the movie theater, uh, to watch him not be able to be quiet for the entire half an hour ride home uh, after watching it was, was well worth it. Um, And for me, like I said, it was filled with George Lucas and then it was filled with Ryan Johnson. And then it was like, what, what is this actual movie about? So it's, I've been kind of on a journey of, I hate it. I like it. 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 I like it. So I'm, I'm at the point now where I like, like the movie and, I, and I'm and i really excited about it and I can't wait to talk about all the stuff that, uh, that comes along with it
2: yeah agreed um, you know and that's the thing is to me that's one of the great parts about it is that there's so much unknown and pretty early on in the movie you feel like this is going to be a very different ride and I think
0: that's exciting nice alright so Let's get into spoiler territory. And what I want to say, first of all, is the fact... Warning, there are spoilers, spoilers ahead. ahead. Yeah, well, first of all, warning, there's spoilers ahead. But first of all, from the t- teaser trailers, and and uh, D, you were on the, the last one, we were, I mean... Hell, we were close for people who did not have any clue that they were going to play the light in the dark side on this entire movie, and they were going to play it like simultaneously. Because we were guessing, well, he doesn't look like he's in that scene because she doesn't look like she's in that scene. Well, that's because they were able to have a four sense with each other for throughout the entire movie. It it, it was it was kind of crazy. Um, let's let's start out with let with Poe Dameron's character and we're going to talk about the initial run uh on the ship because that's that's the biggest one uh what we gain from the the initial shots of Poe in the X-wing fighter and he's trying to take out all of those turrets is he's still hell on wheels and he <laughs> shoot shoot first figure out crap later that's that's how Poe is at least initially you so you see his character arc starts with hey, we're just going to take off from exactly the point that we left from. And remember, Poe wasn't a character that was actually going to be a continuation past The Force Awakens. And people, you know, J.J. was like, he's so good, we're going to keep him. They ended up having a comic about him and his adventures. And now in this movie, he's starting to take more of a leadership role. Yeah, he's taking over the Han Solo role. Yeah, what I like about Poe is... Not only does he have the instincts of a great fighter pilot, but he also has the instincts of a great leader. He just needs to be kind of massaged into being a great leader. He has to start thinking about the bigger picture versus just what's in front of him at the moment. And what's in front of him at the moment in that initial scene is the turrets. Uh, What eventually becomes in front of him is how the Rebellion is trying to escape you know, certain situations and how sometimes it's better to run than it is to fight. And and if you run, you can learn to fight another day.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and that whole growth of him through the movie, I thought was really satisfying because he starts off with this, you know, I'm, a, I'm an amazing pilot, I could just shoot my way out of everything. So that's what I'm going to do. And he's all about short term gains rather than thinking about the long game. And, uh, you know, with his mutiny against Holdo and all of that eventually he just gets his hand slapped uh but Leia and Holdo both agree they're like you know this guy's got his head in the game he's you know he's 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 heading in the right direction he's the kind of guy that we need we just need to help him figure out how to be a leader and not just uh let me go in gun guns blazing and let me see the big picture kind of thing which is great because I, I feel like it really sets him up as one of the few survivors of the resistance to be able to take up that leadership role, you know. especially with having question marks over how they're going to handle the whole Leia thing in 9. Um, you know, It, it kind of makes sense in a way in the movie with every, uh, every faction sort of being taken over by younger people uh, to now just have one more person in Poe and being able to kind of take up the cause with the resistance.
0: And, and I feel bad because... I'll, t- I'll tell you why I feel bad. I feel like his his character had a little bit of a handcuff put on him in the sense that um, he didn't get... I didn't feel like he got a lot of airtime. And the airtime in this movie is really tough because they had so many characters. If they really tried to boil this movie down, it was Kylo, it was Luke, it was Ray, and that's the basis of the movie. And then every other external character was kind of, you know, they tried to give a little bit of screen time to... but extra credit but with him and Laura Dern which by the way the chemistry of those two together I thought was amazing the problem was is we sent uh two characters on a side mission based upon the fact that Laura Dern's character and um, Hoko couldn't couldn't have a conversation for 2 minutes and say hey this is our plan if she says this is our plan the whole hold up in in on the ship pose you know getting everybody to be on his side taking over the ship for that period of time, it it kind of stunts that arc of that character, so I see why they did that. They they left out literally just basic communication on a ship, like, by a leader with her captain, and she dismisses him in the sense and saying that he's you know, you, you've been demoted by Leia, everybody knows that, so I'm not going to give you the information, which I thought was kind of, I, I thought was bad, but in the end it paid off on on crate when there was the the sh- the the run towards uh the the battering ram and he calls off Finn saying you know bail that's not going to work this time so maybe lessons learned from Leia telling him you know hey idiot i didn't okay for you guys for you to do that run well he did the run and he took out the turrets and he had one more turret she called him off and he was like no i'm not going to do it and while he accomplished the mission it Lost so many fighters and so many people in the resistance. What's the what's the cause? You know, or what's the victory in losing all of those people to get one more thing? You know what I mean? Like the, it doesn't matter if the ship goes down if we lose thirty people because there's thirty people we can't replace. We can get the ship another day.
1: That in the first order is so big that they
0: probably have thirty or forty of them. So
1: yeah, while it's great for one ship's down, I mean it's not enough to make a huge dent in it at the cost of the lives that it did take.
2: Right. right, Yeah, and the and the Holdo Poe thing and not giving him information, you know, it kind of... Um, it just played to me like Holdo was just kind of doing a little office politics and like, you know, if I'm taking over here, I'm kicking you down a notch and you don't need to know because I don't want to let you know because you've had your hand slapped and just do what you're supposed to do uh, and withholding it, you know, very purposely for that reason. Um, you know, which... You could question why she made that choice or not. But, um, you know, again, I think it all ends up with just sort of him coming out the better for it.
1: From a military standpoint, I think it was the right move for her to make. Mm -hmm. From my perspective, I think it was a very dick move that she shouldn't have done. (laughs) But being from the military and everything, um, I, I can totally see why they played it that way. Because if you don't have rules, you don't have order, you don't
0: have the chain of command, then it's just complete chaos. And when we initially saw the for the the second trailer, we had all these you know inclinations about where this was going to be, and it's it's going to start on Octu and that's how it's going to be. And I thought that they that Ryan Johnson played it really well because the first the first scene was a fight mission for the Resistance, which I thought was really cool because the basis in and, and overall arc of this movie was the resistance itself and how it is going to hold itself up eventually against the First Order. And if you're going to have that happen, you have to start with, like you said, uh, Dave, The who who's going to lead the resistance in the future? And the person who's going to help lead that is going to be Poe. And to show him initially at one spot and know that he's going to get to another is a really big, important uh story move because you have to give him you have to prop him up you have to prop him up as a leader and he didn't play a huge role in the force awakens he played a key role but not a huge role and so in in the next movie you know that poe is going to be one of the major leaders of the resistance yeah absolutely so we go right from that and let's just start uh, aside from the poe thing because uh, we got initially into the beginning part of the movie Ryan Johnson's version and vision for The Last Jedi is, it seems juxtaposed to J.J. Abrams' version of what The Force Awakens was. If The Force Awakens was Southern comfort food, um, then perhaps The Last Jedi was Thai food. Because, like, it was absolutely the ap- opposite end of what I thought J.J. was trying to do with The Force Awakens. The Force Awakens was, let's bring you back to Star Wars. Let's remind you all of the things that were great and weren't the prequel. <laughs> and uh, Ryan was like, yeah, that's great. But what are we going to do next? And that's kind of where he led The Last Jedi. And it started up immediately with... Poe and having that conversation with Hux on the ship. Um, the whole, I can't hear you. Uh, do you hear me now? Do you hear me now? Uh, good. Great. Yeah,
1: great. Like I. That was one of my favorite parts of the
0: movie. It was, yeah. and there was a lot of humor in this movie. There were, there were spots that I didn't think hit, and I thought that maybe he played the humor a little bit too much, but there were also spots where I was like, oh, that's just the right spot to do that. And one of the ones that I thought was really key was when we kick back to Octu and you see that scene where Rey is handing over the hilt to Luke, and Luke looks at it, And then his first reaction once he sees that hilt, because I was like, oh, he's well, he's going to be in awe. He's going to be like, thank you so much for giving me the hilt. And instead, he does something absolutely the opposite.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: He tosses it right over his shoulder, like, yep, don't give a shit. See you later. That's why I left. And then he walks away, and it's like, Wait, what? Huh? And so she's chasing after him, like, like, you know, I know who you are. You're you're Jedi Master. And he's like, yeah, that's great. I I left for a reason. Yeah, but you're Jedi Master and I want to train. Nope. Nope, that's okay. I left for a reason. And Mark Hamill in this was just phenomenal. Like, he took Obi-Wan in a New Hope to like the next level. I loved his curmudgeon character. The leave me alone, I left, I don't want to deal with this, I have anger issues, and I have guilt issues, and just stay away. There's a reason why you couldn't find me. Yeah,
2: I I totally agree. Um, before we get into Luke, though, just tonally, I, I have to say I agree with everything you're saying. I, I think that um, The Force Awakens set the stage, and it kind of uh, introduced the sandbox, so to speak, and it said, look this is Star Wars, here's a sandbox, here are the characters, here's the world that all of this is going to happen in, and we're going to buy into this world because it feels like Star Wars and it feels so good, and uh, we care about these new characters, we care about the journey they're going to take, and because that movie exists, now it gives us permission to do some things and take some risks and take the storyline in some directions that if we tried to take that hard of a left turn three different times during the movie in the force awakens people might have had a hard time swallowing it a little bit or said wait a minute this isn't star wars either what's going on but because we had this movie that established this world and these players and these set pieces now you sort of have permission to screw with them a little bit and i at the that moment that you mentioned where you know this moment that as fans we're all hanging on Ray is handing that lightsaber to Luke and we're all going, Oh my god, how is he gonna do what's he gonna say? What are his first words gonna be? How is he gonna react? Is he gonna take it, reject it? What do we do? And when he takes it and he just flippantly throws it over his shoulder and wanders off, that was when I knew that we were in for a really fun and unpredictable ride, and I was really
0: excited about where the
2: rest of the movie was gonna take me.
0: That's that right there set the tone for the movie for me. It Mm -hmm. was that said to me, whatever you think Star Wars is, that's not what this is going to be, and it was. From that moment on, I, I, it, it was, it was our conversation about the light and the dark, and it was Luke's interpretation of the light in the dark, and him, and when she questions him about becoming a Jedi, and he's just like. It's this old religion that is just, and we talked about this, I think, in the first, the first teaser trailer where I said, please let this be religious in a way because like, that's what this is. Like, that's what the Jedi religion is. It's, it's this thing. And it was, he was like, it's, it never worked. Like, every time we win, we lose. Look at the past. Like, it, this makes no sense. And I don't know why we have it anymore. And that's when he said, the Jedi must die because it doesn't work. And when he said that, but when he said it three months ago, I'm like, oh, he's never going to say that. That doesn't make any sense. And then I watch it, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, you're right. Like, look at the prequels, which people hate, but, like, there there's a lot of discourse in there, that political discourse that's really, really good in the prequels. And then look at the Skywalker lineage in 4, 5, and 6. It's, like, just because you have a Skywalker name and you're a Jedi doesn't mean good things are going to happen to you. And that's what he's coming to terms with. Not everything that the Jedi have done has been... In terms of it's great, but in reality, it might be bad because, like, if you, if you watch or, or even play like Battlefront, if you're on the opposite end of the rebellion, the Jedi are the boogeyman. They're like, they're the evil ones. They're the ones causing the problem. It's not the people that are on the dark, you know, that are there hoping, you know, that, you know, anything that is the first order is taking care of us and is helping us. So it's, it's great that Luke can say to say to her and it like i'll train you even though i don't really want to train you and and by the way i don't know if you guys noticed he did everything in his power to make himself so obnoxious that she wanted to leave he did the jump across with the the fish he drank the blue (laughs) milk he was just he like the caretakers were there like he did everything in his power. He interrupted a private moment between her and Kylo with the with the conversation, with the with the force talk. He was just like, get the F out of here. I don't like there's a reason why I left.
1: I almost wonder if that was a test of her commitment to see if she would follow through with anything he did
0: teach her. I think he's just bitter. Like I think he's really well, bitter. Well,
1: yeah, he's obviously bitter. Like
0: what happened to him? And what I I love the fact that um, and I'd, I'd love for you guys to speak about this. The fact that they they gave us options. What happened at the Jedi Temple that we saw in The Last Awaken between him and Kylo, where Kylo burnt the temple down? We got Luke's version, but we also got Kylo's version when he was speaking to Rey. Because Rey and Kylo had this connection, they were able to have that, that kind of Jedi Force connection that... Uh, Luke had with Vader, and that we eventually see Leia and Kylo have, but they have that to the point where it's almost physical. They can touch. You know what I mean? Like it's not. It's it's beyond mental. He can. At one point, he says, "You can see me, but I can't see you. I can feel you, but I can't see you. But you can see where I am." But it's. I don't know. Like where where I think I'm going with this is the fact that I think Luke steps in, and there's a real sense of. His anger towards Kylo, his upset, how upset he is towards himself for being human, which, by the way, apparently Jedi are not allowed to be. He can't feel anger. So he's like it's, uh, you know, going against everything he's ever learned and every text he's ever learned. But it's okay. Like it's uh, things that he's done or the way things have gone is okay. He just is really hard on himself because of it. Yeah. And so so to speak to
2: all of that, I mean, I, I think a lot of this. Kind of went the way we were hoping it was gonna go in terms of you know are we leaving the Jedi forever? are we just changing the Jedi as we know them are we what are we doing? and you're right, first third of the movie, Luke is just really really broken, you know he's he's still hurting really bad from feeling the guilt of of uh Ben Solo turning and feeling like it was all his fault. And, uh, you know, the guilt of having that moment where he had his hand on his lightsaber and thought, maybe I should ignite this thing and just take him down now because I feel that he's already turned. Um, and I I tend to believe the Luke version of that more than the Kylo Ren version. Because sure. The Kylo Ren's version, from his point of view, is just he's standing over me with a lightsaber. He's here to kill me. And, of course, it looks like that. He doesn't see the internal conflict that luke is having or i had that split second of you know thinking that and then immediately knowing that's wrong that i should not do that uh, you know what i mean but just the guilt of that and feeling like i was the i gave him that final push um you know and then feeling like i'm unfit to train ray i'm not the person in fact and and if i'm the last jedi you know and all the lineage of jedi has led to me and that's the best the jedi can do you know we're over this is it we're not helping there was and he said there was balance for a while and this was important because we're always wondering what does he mean by balance what does it mean does balance mean that there should be an equal amount of dark and light no he said there was balance for a while after the emperor was struck down and he was able to start building up his uh you know, his Jedi Academy and all, there was balance for a while. And that balance meant that, you know, those dark side wielders were kind of out of the picture. But then, you know, Kylo Ren was seduced a little bit by Snoke and that darkness was in him, yada, yada, yada. Point is, um, you know, I, I thought that conflict that was in him in the beginning of the movie was was great. And I love that, you know, he was sort of this tortured guy, because you're right that, you know, the history of the Jedi, they were not always successful, and, and they had some pretty big periods of their history where they were war generals, whereas, you know, here was Yoda in his later years on Dagobah, you know, talking about peace and harmony, and, you know, always for defense, never for attack, and they, as an organization, uh, certainly forgot that.
0: I think that the generalized theme of The Last Jedi, which not only given to you um, through Luke, but also through Ryan Johnson and his storytelling, is that of remorse, that of loss, and of the past. And the fact that the past can haunt you, and so you can either learn to get over it, or you have to learn to let it go. And that's what Luke was struggling with. He was struggling with you you call me the great Luke, great Luke Skywalker and I'm supposed to be this amazing savior, but in and it's anybody who deals with depression. Like honestly, like this is this is about somebody who deals with depression. It's like I don't feel like the guy you say I am. I don't feel like him, and I'm not him. And I hate myself for feeling this way. I hate I hate myself for you know feeling that I sh- that I want to take away this kid's life because I sense that he could potentially go down the dark side. But I've seen the dark side and I know what happens and I don't want him to go through that. And even in the, even when you watch Return of the Jedi, when he finds good in his father, he finds good in his father, but he also takes off a hand, man. Like, it's not like he just, like, finds good in him and he, and there's no version of attack. So in that split second, he does the same exact thing he does in Return of the Jedi. He has a moment where he's angered. He realizes what's going on and then he stops himself. It, but in this moment, instead of uh, Vader taking out the Emperor, it's Ben looking at him and then all of a sudden raising his sword and pulling down all the rock. And that's exactly what happens.
1: Mm-hmm. The, the difference is is there was no intent to kill Vader from Luke. Sure. Um, defend himself, fight him, yes, but there was no intent to kill him during that. This... Luke had every intention in the world of striking him dead.
0: What I like is they gave you the backstory. Like I was, I was hoping yeah. to get the backstory, and not only did we get the backstory, but we got it from two different points of view. So, it, for one, it humanized Luke, and specifically for me, because we needed it, it humanized Kylo Ren, Ben Solo. It gave me a, it, it gave me an understanding of. Oh, he was on the fence, but this is what jutted him towards the dark side. Because if it, if nothing else did, my uncle trying to kill me, that might have pushed me over the edge. After listening in my ear from Snoke, like he doesn't really, you, you shouldn't trust him. They're bad guys over there. Like you shouldn't really. I mean, come over to my side, and then that happens. So in reality, the thing that he didn't want to do is what exact is exactly what it did. Like it caused him to go at least to Snoke initial, you know, in that initial moment. So. Um, I I liked it. I th- I thought it was really great storytelling to me for me.
1: Didn't Luke say that he had already sent Snoke in him when that, and that is why he went to go kill him. He did.
0: Yes. he did. But at that moment, uh, Ben was still conflicted, like he is now. So he could have gone either way. Luke could have left him be, just Ben himself, and and continued to train him, and he could have just swayed support to him. Su- support him, and swayed towards the light. Instead he raised his uh saber and in that moment that pushed him to the dark so it, i mean it, what he was trying to fight against is exactly what you know he caused which i think that's the guilt that he holds all the time whether or not that's true or not that's how he sees it so and so going into that we see him we he eventually decides okay i'm going to train ray but on my terms and we get to meet some of the the folks that are on the island of Octu in the process. So we get <laughs> yes, we, do. we get to meet the, the caretakers, which were really cool. I mean, the caretakers were nice, uh, you know, they were fodder for some some things that happened. And we also got to meet the porgs. And the <laughs> porgs are lovable, Disney like. We want to sell some stuffed animal characters that I think we're, pl- you know, they're, they're plotted in there. And I appreciate that. This is
1: your kids Christmas yeah, Christmas. Yeah. Right yeah I
0: appreciate that. And some of the, some of the, the jokes that were towards the porgs were kind of funny, but then I started getting porged out when I, when I watched the Falcon and there was like, there were nests of porgs on the Falcon. I'm like, uh, oh, we're over the top now. I, the chewy thing was kind of funny, like the, I'm going to eat you. And then <laughs> yeah, this, it and great. the dough eyes. But then I'm like, okay, we've done a, we've done one too many pork jokes. We need to stop doing the pork jokes. Um, And when Ray is trained initially and she's asking about the force, I think it's awesome that Luke, uh, what is the force? And so she, he, he tells her to reach. And so she puts her hands out and the joke was funny. Like the, yeah, with the feather. And she's like, I can (laughs) feel it. I can feel it. That's really funny. But it was almost like he was having a hard time explaining to her, which I think all of us have a hard time. What is the force? The force is the, is the in-between it's, you know, feeling the ground, yet um, feeling nature, and then what's in between that is is what we control.
2: Hey, so I got a question for you. Okay. So we're talking about all you know, first, third ray training, and all of that. Well, actually, this might have been the middle. Uh, she goes down into
0: the hole, and she looks in the mirror. What are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, she has that initial, well, the, the spot that we're talking about where he, he asks her to be at Field of Force is where, um, she puts her hands down and that's where the rock, the rocks raise. It cracks and Luke just gets pissed off and whacks, like, basically is like, Ray, get the F out because she starts to go down her, in her mind, she starts to go down that black hole. So, Immediately, he's scared off, like, you're going to go to the dark side again. Oh, you're just like Kylo, I'm done. And, like, it's all flustered. Um, And eventually, like, she's curious. What I think was really great is Luke Skywalker would have never gone down that black hole. The new generation of Jedi, Rey, is like, fear? Yeah, F that. I'm going to go find out what that's about. And goes right down into the hole that is supposed to be so terrifying. Because remember, Luke went into that and saw Vader, and then he saw himself in Vader, and that—that's what I saw this as. This was Luke going into the cave, seeing his face in Vader, except except when her fear was herself and her lineage, so she kept seeing more of herself.
2: Yes, but
0: t- see, here's how it
2: read to me. So if you look, you know, there's rays behind her that are just about or, uh, that are just about to do the action. Mm-hmm. Right, and they haven't done it yet, and they do it moments before after her, right? And then in front of her, or maybe it's the other way, there's ones uh in front of her. Yeah, the f- oh there's the ones that are in front of her do it before her. The finger snapping. And the ones yeah. that are behind her do it after her. So she's looking at her past and her present. It's like her timeline that she's seeing stretched out onward before and and behind her and She says to the mirror, who are my parents? And she just sees herself. Mm -hmm. And I don't think she understands it in the moment. To me, it's your past and your future are determined by one person. You. you, You. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter who your parents are. It doesn't matter where you're from. And it was just, you know, that was the sort of, um, you know, Jedi vision version of that Mantra that's sort of repeated throughout the movie in a number of different ways. And it took me a minute to simmer on that in the theater uh, before I started to kind of feel like that was what was going on there. Um but that that was kind of my
0: take on it, and I thought it was pretty good. that's a that's a really great take because it it does talk about burning the past. Um, the line by Kylo is burn the past if you if you have to. And it is. you she had to burn her past. She had to burn the feelings of needing and wanting. A uh, 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 Jedi ma- between Han Solo and Luke Skywalker. Stop looking to other people. Look at yourself. So burn everything else that you think about. Think about you know your mom, your dad, everything. Just live for today and what is going on from this moment on. And the same for Luke. Forget about the Vader. Forget about the the Kylo. Forget about all of that stuff. What is going on now? How can we affect now? And how can we move forward from that? And that's kind of the entire film. The entire film deals with how can we forget about that and move forward as the resistance or move forward as a Jedi or move forward as whatever Rey is going to become and and be whatever we're going to be. So we go we keep bouncing back and forth. There's there's constant conversation between her and Kylo. Uh, Luke said he's going to give her three three lessons. Um which we find out eventually is only two lessons. He never gives her the third lesson, which I believe That's right. the, the third lesson is going to be in the whatever whatever is the next ep- the next episode is. And every lesson is bringing her to the fact that there is no light, there is no dark. There's always gray. It's it, every lesson he's trying to teach her is is the same exact thing. It's gray. It's gray. It's gray. Stop trying to believe in the Jedi religion. Stop trying to believe in whatever the Sith crap is. Just it light good it's all it er, and evil all mix it's it's so it's all the force. it's all the force um and from that moment on it's she starts to kind of turn a little bit because in the midst of that conversation in the midst of her working with luke kylo ren goes from kylo to ben and she starts referring from for, referring to him as Ben, and not Kylo Ren anymore. I think it's—I don't think it's a softening of her opinion of him, but I—I I do feel like she feels more connected to him. I don't know what your guys' thoughts are. I think it's a need for a
1: companionship of somebody her own age that has gone through some of the same situations, feeling the force, feeling the confusion, and everything like that. And honestly, right now, the only person besides Luke or Leia,
0: would be Ben. And Ben's going through his own stuff. So let's let's delve into Ben a little bit. And he has to go in front of Supreme Leader Snoke. And Snoke's first thought was, first of all, take off that silly effing mask because I can't even understand a word you're saying. And I was like, <laughs> when, he de- when he did that, I'm like, damn. Because we were all worried about like, well, oh, he crushes it because of this or because of that. He's crushing it because the his, his basic, his mentor is like, yeah, that's not working for you. You're no Vader. And so after he gets the the tongue lashing, he just smashes the hell out of that. And we talked about that previously, that it'll humanize him by having the mask off, which it does. By bar none does it humanize him. Um, it shows his scar healing. But then he gets in his own run, and we talked about Poe having the run, you know, against all the turrets. Well, they go in full force, and they go after the ship in which Leia's on for the rebel, well, for the rebellion. I'll, I'm going to continue to call the rebellion instead of the resistance forever and a day. I don't care, the resistance. <laughs> um, and he has an opportunity at one point to take out his mom, which by like the, the the flying scene with him in it was incredible. the the action mm-hmm. they showed with him flying that ship was just like he could turn that thing on a dime. Um, and he had an opportunity to take out his mom and d I think you talked about this when we talked about it last where he just wasn't going to have it in him to do it. There's got to be some version of redemption in order to balance out his character. Yes.
2: Yeah, you know, and the whole journey with Kylo Ren, he was, he was what I was afraid of. I was afraid that there was going to be an attempt at complete redemption of this character. And for a number of reasons, I, I, I did not want that to happen. Number one, you know, as somebody who loves the character of Han Solo, I would find it exceedingly hard as a person watching a movie to be able to forgive that in a character and then root for him. Uh, you know, even if there's remorse and whatever, he he crossed a line there. And I think story-wise, it's the same thing. He crossed a line by killing his father that he can't walk back. And he's so troubled uh, and there's such darkness in him that, you know, even though he's struggling with darkness and with goodness Ray says it to him too when you know after they're they're doing their thing together uh, and I will get into detail about that in a little bit you know but when it's just a, oh no no don't do this like what, what, come on man you were almost back with me you know he he just no matter how much you see him wavering or whatever he's he's evil and he's uh he's foul and he's the darkness. And that, you know, it's, it's not a, uh, I'm half light and half, dark. he's, he's evil. And, uh, and we see where that came from and we see the emotional toll that being that kind of a person is on him. And we see the weight of, of, you know, killing his father, tearing him apart among many other things. Uh, and we see him not be able to put himself through that again, or, or not bring himself to live up to what he he's, You know, kind of repeating as a mantra, kill the past, kill the past. It's the only way you can be who you're going to be. Kill everything. He can't follow through with it all the time. Um, You know, but that struggle with him, I think, makes him such a more interesting villain than if he were just, well, Snoke. I mean, Snoke is is like the embodiment of evil, right? Sure. And he serves a purpose in the story, uh, which is to... Kind of plant the seed and and turn Ben Solo, and he was a catalyst of this whole new trilogy. Um, but now it's it's you know Kylo Ren's show, and Kylo Ren being really the main villain and the and the main bad is a much more interesting character uh, with the the trials that he goes through in this movie. I don't see him as the all evil at most i'd
1: say 60 evil 40 good otherwise he wouldn't have tried to help ray he wouldn't have
0: taken out snoke at all it for me ray and kylo are going for the same thing but on different ends of the spectrum they both want it to not be a jedi sith thing they want it to be a gray but Kylo's version of gray is still ruling everything and having her at his side where hers is a version of just peace and everybody getting along. He still wants to rule that, but have everybody get along and she just doesn't care about the ruling part and just wants everybody to get along. So I think they're both trying to get to the same point, but just in different manners. Um, Speaking of the, the Snoke um, being in his, on the supremacy, he uh she turns herself in basically to speak to Kylo like she's looking to speak to him and then she gets put in handcuffs which is the not the first of the homages but definitely mm-hmm. a nice homage to the to the return of the jedi with Luke being in the cuffs and then the emperor taking the cuffs off because snoke has her hilt sitting right on the side and i love the fact that his he has the the Palpatine guard. He has the guards all around, and they they they're they It's such a big throne room, but it humanizes Snoke even. Remember, all we saw was his face. I thought Snoke was like a hundred foot tall. Like I it, it was he was this bigger than life thing, and then you get to his throne room, and he's just this little man. Like he's this with a really bent up face, and to be honest, with his age, he's probably been around before Vader or with Vader. So I am so curious about I, I literally I want a, I want a novel on just the Snoke stories because he has to have been around during the Empire. Like the 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 you know, emperor and all of that stuff. He had to be around in that pro- as a, as some version of a Sith. He's too old to hold a saber. So he gets her up and he, you know, does his force thing with her and causes her pain. And he's so determined in, like, I know exactly what Ben's thinking. I know exactly what he's going to do. I know exactly what he's going to do with that lightsaber. And this is the part where I really have an appreciation for Force Visions not being complete sentences. They are sentences that are missing words, and you kind of figure them out in your mind. You're like, oh, that's what it says. Because in his mind, it said... He's gonna take her out. Like, Ben's gonna take her out with the saber. And in reality, it was Ben's gonna take me out with the saber. So it wasn't that he misread it, it's just that force visions are not complete packages of of full sentences. You get three-fourths of the words that you fill in the blanks, and he misread the blanks.
1: Uh no. He read it as Kylo was going to kill his enemy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Kylo's enemy. And at that point, Kylo's enemy was Snoke, but Snoke didn't know that because if I'm thinking I'm going to kill my enemy, I'm going to kill my enemy. I'm going to kill my enemy. And you got one person right in front of you. I would automatically assume, or you would automatically assume that is who I'm talking
2: about. Yeah. And Kylo Ren was playing with that too, because he purposefully, like he was turning his, you know, he brought Ren out saber his saber cross guard. Yep. He was turning his lightsaber as he was using the force to turn Ray's lightsaber. So Snoke says, you're turning your lightsaber to strike that. He's purposely like camouflaging his moves, mm-hmm. knowing that there's that sort of, um, you know, you don't exactly see what the person's seeing. You're seeing, you know, you're getting kind of those those whiffs of it and, you know, getting maybe 90% of it or whatever. I
0: thought that was awesome. The, the one thing about... This entire scene that has d- this taken a backlash is the fact that like Snoke was propped up in J.J. Abrams' version of the story in the Force Awakens as this, um, you know, this high almighty evil character, and to be taken out in the first third of the Last Jedi just through fans for like a what the f like I like there were Snoke theories about him being uh, Ray's father who is he who is he is he a version of darth maul he could be this he could be that he could be this and like it was like ryan johnson throwing up a middle finger laying like yeah he's not any of that now and i actually really don't care about him he was really just like kind of the catalyst to turn him evil and that was it like he's not that great of a dude and and he threw it aside which for jedi for just star wars fans in general it's like well shit sh- shit who who's the bad guy now? Like, because you're so used to either the emperor or Darcydius or some version of, of a person that like, doesn't actually wield a sword, but is like the high and almighty evil. And so you're like thinking to yourself, well, there's only Kylo left. Like who, who's going to lead these guys? Oh, the crazy guy. That's who that guy's going to do it. Like, cause Kylo's kind of out there. I, I crazy is a strong word, but like on, un, on, un, He's not on the same level as most people are, at least as far as um, as sanity is concerned. He's very off-kilter. It, it, he's very emotional, and he's very in the moment, which is not very far off from Luke Skywalker. Because Luke Skywalker is very emotional and very in the moment if you watched Return of the Jedi and, you know, like even Empire Strikes Back. But, I mean, the scene inside of the ship where Luke is standing out there, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but, like, he's just like, get up, get up, get up. Like, it's, like, it's just beyond anger. Like, it's past that. Yeah, uh, so,
2: I mean, w- with all of that, I-, I think, you know, to be honest with you, I always had kind of a distaste for the crazy Snoke is this person theories. I never thought it made any sense Just from a storytelling perspective, to make him be anybody that existed in the universe before, um, it would just feel forced and unnecessary. Like there's no reason for it narratively to be anything other than what it was, quite frankly. Um, You could see him, you know, sticking around for a final battle or you could have had him play out, you know, him versus Luke in a final battle or something. But narratively, uh, I don't know. I thought that it made a whole lot of sense the way he went out. I liked it because I think it really, you know, Kylo Ren to me really turned a corner and he's beyond saving. Uh, he is, he's the big bad now. Um, you know, and I, I think Leia and Luke, even in their conversations later in the movie, you know, look, uh, I gotta go kill your kid. She's like, yeah, I, I get it. Uh, kick his ass. My kid's actually been dead for a while. um, Good luck. You know, he's that's it. He's
0: he's beyond uh, he's beyond help. What I love that Ryan Johnson does in these films or in this film, pardon me, I say films. He's going to be doing more in this film is he takes what is a typical trope of Star Wars and immediately annihilates it in the first third of the movie and then says the person you should be focusing on is the one who has the most either most growth as a character which is kylo ren Mm -hmm. and follow him because the story is so important versus what traditional star wars is follow the story and kylo ren is a story he was the story in the first one in the force awakens he's a story now like his character development is off the richter scales i hate him like i literally hate him as a character but i feel which is more than i can say for the emperor which is more than i can say for snoke i actually feel towards this character Which, if you're a a director, that's what you want. You want me feeling one way or another, but as long as I'm feeling like you're doing your job. And I don't like Kylo Ren. I can't stand the childishness. I can't—but that's somebody who doesn't have a grip of their power, who doesn't know what to do with it yet. And this is what Vader would have been had you learned the backstory of Vader prior to the Emperor. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's—this is where you could have been at— you know, 10 years prior to A New Hope. So I'm I'm really excited about where he's going to take this. I mean, I know JJ's the next person to take over the next episode, but I'm glad that this is kind of the trajectory that they put it on. Um, we talked about this briefly, uh, but there was a scenario where um, the ship that Leia was on wasn't hit by Kylo, but it was definitely hit. And then... I don't even want to talk about this scene because my oh. my initial reaction was anger. <laughs> and then I've come around about this, but like, so she's out in space uh, and she twitches her fingers. T- to be honest, I really thought this was the part where they were going to – Carrie's death obviously ha- is a huge impact on Star Wars in general. I thought this is how they were going to send her on her way. And this wasn't even close. This was just the tip of the iceberg on what they were doing for the storyline. And I'm like, la- because I'm like, oh, wow, that's how they're going to let her go. Actually, that's pretty cool. And if you show her in space and then you show her body, like, I get it. That's like, that's the homage. Great. And then her fingers move.
1: <laughs>
0: and I'm like, wait, what? And then she forces herself back to the ship. And I'm like, what the – I'm not going to curse, but what is going on? Like I literally – in my head I'm like, what is going on right now? And she goes back in and then collapses. And I'm like, I, I've, I, I've never seen this happen before with the Force. I don't even know what this is.
1: It was originally stated that Carrie Fisher would have a huge role as Leia in Episode Nine. So that was even before beginning the filming began for eight. So we knew that she was gonna be in nine. They would have had to completely change the entire script of eight in order to do that then. hmm Uh but, but
0: I hated the scene. Yeah, we were like halfway in the movie though, so I'm I, I thought I thought that they were just gonna cut out this. the rest of her stuff and maybe they re like redid some scenes. I don't know, Dee, what did you think of the the whole force? I don't even know what to call it because it was just basically she had like a force bubble around her floating her back to the ship.
2: Yeah, so to me, it, it looked to me like she was just doing a force pull mm-hmm. yeah. uh, to the wall of the ship and just pulling herself back in. Um, I think it kind of sort of just came off like she was flying angelically back, back into the ship. I think it was shot really weird. Uh, I think if it was she was blasted out of the ship and then as she's doing it and everything is going back past her, she reaches out her hand and pulls herself back in. I think it would have played a whole lot better and then, you know, collapsed and whatever. But I think the fact that she shot out of the ship floated around frozen for a while and then
0: sort of, you know, angel flew back into the ship. It was it was weird. I think what affected most people is everybody wants to see Leia have some version of the of of the Force with her because they know that she has it, but for it to be this really caught everybody off guard. It's like you've never shown it, and we wanted to see it at some point, but we also know that Carrie's passed away, so you already have our hearts one way, and then you throw it, which is what Ryan's done in this entire movie throw it in the other direction and it's like hey look at my left hand over here well there's my right and so then she forces herself back on the ship which ends up being a plot mover because it, it involves Laura Dern and, and kind of does that but um it eventually leads to Poe or leads to Finn and uh Rose's storyline which mm-hmm. takes them to um yeah Cant- on a wild yeah, goose choice to Cantabite. um for me, the Cantabite storyline was them looking for somebody who could be the master locksmith in order to open up a door in order to get them into the hyper uh, hyperdrive uh, on the Supremacy in order to stop it. Is that correct? The Supremacy, or was it the Dread? Yeah, yeah. okay, Codebreaker. Code um, I was just trying to make sure it was, I was had the right ship. Uh but it was it. What it started out was was it reminds you that Finn is not. The almighty great um, archetype for a a hero, because he was still trying to run, like he literally kicked back into. Yep, I'm with the uh, I'm with all of the all of my stormtrooper friends, and I need to run. I need to go. And Rose catches him in the middle of trying to do that. And this this story arc for for Finn was reminding him that he's like even from where he is that it's not okay to run. Like you have to fight for something. Like you have to stand and fight for something. Um The the connection between him and Rose, I didn't really buy. I thought it was very forced. It didn't come off really great to me. Uh, I like her. I like her. I didn't like her in this character. I didn't like the character of Rose at all. I didn't like any of the fathers, the fathers the being the horse dogs that are on cantabite that they raced in. I thought that was kind of silly. And it eventually leads to them finding uh, Benicio del Toro, which the DJ character, the DJ character, I, I liked him. I just thought that they needed to give him, again, more screen time. <laughs> I, I
1: think the relationship, why it seemed so forced, was because the Finn's character just wasn't expecting it. Because he pretty much had his eyes and heart and everything, his world revolved around Ray. Because that was basically the first relationship he had outside of the First Order, besides Pope. Mm-hmm. And when Rose showed all this interest towards him, and then actually made the pass at him and kissed him and saved his life, it completely changed his attitude towards her.
0: Uh, what did you think of that? Because I I know D when we were talking uh, on the, in the other teaser. That you talked about how excited you were about seeing Cantobite. What did you think? What did you think about the storyline with Poe and Rose, and also with Benicio, and and how that all played out?
2: Well, it's it's funny. There were a lot of things where I almost thought, like my reaction, I guess, was almost exactly the opposite of yours. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, I actually, I I liked the set piece of Cantobite. I really liked the uh, fathers. Mm-hmm. I liked the whole idea of. Um, you know, the political undertones of here's this upper class crust and they're just living off of uh, off of war, off of perpetual war. And they're they're feeding off of, you know, keeping that going as long as we can. And let's make money and let's play off both sides, which, by uh, the way, is Illinois. very George Lucas. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, and the, and the downtrodden underclass that's there. Uh you know, and I like that whole social dynamic that was there. I thought that it was it was pretty great. Um, you know, the the I liked her looking at finn as a hero and again we get that theme of the reluctant hero Mm -hmm. we say oh it's not me and he kind of enjoys it and puffs it up but he doesn't really believe that about himself sure you know much like ray doesn't look at herself as a, you know luke doesn't look at himself as this hero or this legend you know we have all these people that are struggling with the way others look at them you know but i think that's part of heroism is you don't feel like you you know necessarily did this special thing you're just doing what you thought you were supposed to do um but then the one part that to me felt strange was I thought the romantic thing came out of left field to me. Uh, I didn't pick up any hint of any sort of romantic feelings between the two of them. I liked the Rose character. I liked her. I thought she was cool. Uh, I you know I, I liked the two of them going off on a mission and trying something. I liked the fact that it failed spectacularly, uh, which how often does that happen? You know because so often in movies. And, you know, in Star Wars Rebels, every other day, somebody's dressing up as Imperials and going onto ships and, and, you know, pulling off heists. Sure. Like, how bad is your security? Speaking of Rebels, was somebody tried it and it failed spectacularly? I was heartened by. But that, that romantic thing between Ray and Finn uh, felt weird. Like it came out of left field and I, I don't know. I didn't see it.
1: Now, with Rebels, was there a situation where uh, the characters of Rebels came across a weapons dealer and that weapons dealer was still playing both sides? I, I can't remember if there was or not.
2: Oh, I'm pretty sure. I don't remember specifically, but, I mean, that's, that's a thing. I mean, that's, I'm just wondering, wondering if they did
1: this around. as also as a throwback to that. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm going to have to go back
0: and look. I, I think the things at KentaBite that really bothered me... And it was that I, I thought it didn't really do many favors for Finn's character. I thought it, did, it didn't progress the story a lot. Like, I thought it was just kind of like a side mission that they were like, well, Finn's here, and we need for him to be doing something because we want him as a character. So I thought that that's what they did with that, personally. Also, it, the CGI reminded me a lot of the prequels, which I don't like. I don't like any of that CGI stuff, which is why I thought The Fathers and I thought all of that was just a bit much. Um, and the other thing was, um, they sent them on a a goose chase for a character that for a code breaker, that was the only person in the world that could break this code. And then they found somebody in a jail cell that could do the same exact thing. So it it kind of broke the story for me there. Um, I appreciated the Deej character, um, that Benicio Del Toro played, even though it it's a very it's it's a huge reminder of like literally any thug Denis Benicio Del ever plays. He plays the same guy all the time. Like the character is never different. They always have a lisp or a, a a a crack in their personality. He he does the same type of routine with every every character. That when he does it this way, this one happens to have the lisp. Um, or um, or repeats himself. Which drove me crazy. Yeah. Every, I hated that every,
1: stutter. I I dislike the, the stutter
0: though. What I liked about him was there was some redeeming qualities, aka Lando Calrissian, which is who he reminded me of immediately. I'm like, oh, this is Lando right on Cloud City, because that's exactly how this played out. This is him, you know, turning in them uh, to uh, uh, get to the First Order and not feeling bad about it, because Lando saves himself, and then he and then after the Cloud City situation, then in Return of the Jedi, he turns it around. Which I don't know if this guy will do because. He Deej is gray. He's he's the epitome of what Luke's talking about. He's not light. He's not dark. Because if you look at that ship, he was like, listen, it's not just the First Order that's taking these ships. It's also uh, the Rebellion that's taking these ships or the Resistance that's taking these ships. So I'm selling to everybody. I don't care if you're red, white, black, blue, green, doesn't matter. You got money? That's all I care about. And. Poe realizes that, or not Poe, uh, Finn realizes that, and I don't think that's going to come to light until maybe the next episode where everybody realizes that, but it's like, you know, everybody's on an even playing field with him. He just, as long as he gets his cash, he doesn't care what happens.
1: The difference between the DJ character and Lando is Lando did it to save his people. Everybody in Cloud City DJ, he's like, no, whatever. I'm saving my own ass. I don't give a crap about anybody That's else. Right. Give me my
0: money. I'm out. But these are like new. T- le- again, this is Ryan Johnson doing his homage to Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, but not actually doing, not repeating Empire Strikes Back, which is everybody's fear. He was, yeah. He was giving little, like, here's a, here's a glimpse, here's a glimpse, here's a glimpse. But like, I'm not really doing it. Like the whole, you know, the walkers on crate is just like Hoth but I'm, but I'm going to do it in a different way and I'm not going to do it at the beginning of the movie. I'm going to do it at the end of the movie and I'm going to make it, you know, uh, fighting for, to save their lives versus, you know, them attacking us. And it's like he just kept doing things that were homages, uh, but they were done in such a twist that it was like, oh, I see what you're doing, but thank you for not doing the exact same thing because I would have not been happy because people were already like, well, The Force Awakens is too much like A New Hope. I really hope this one is not like um, you know, Return of the... or Empire Strikes Back. And then people watch this movie and they're like, Ugh, this is not anything like Empire Strikes Back. And it's like, well, dude, like you either get you one never or you get the other, but you don't get both. Like It's impossible. So he went for something. If you don't like it, great. But guess what? This is the new Star Wars. So just, you know, take right. it for what it's worth. Um, So we talked about the the Lord Dern character um, on that ship. And Holdo took the ship and... The reason why they were holding the ship up and causing it to like basically lose all of its infirmary, like everything all, ships around it were dying, it was crazy. Poe was getting pissed. It was because they were trying to put uh, people on these smaller ships to cloak them and take them to crate. Which, if if we're gonna get nitpicky, and I I am a Star Wars fan, I'm gonna get nitpicky on this one word. Don't use the word cloak. That's a star. That that's that's not a Star Wars word. That's a Star Trek. <laughs> Cloaking is a Star Trek word. Like, don't use the word cloak. But well, on on the same note, you also
2: you don't call them friggin' code breakers. They're splicers. They're splicers. In Star Wars. Yep. He said the word splice once. Once and that really bothered me. Yep. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I, it's little. But- there's
0: there's like little words. But then again, um, you heard, and and this is going off track for like two seconds. But Luke said the word Darth Sidious, and I'm like, oh. That word's never been spoken before because you're talking prequels. Like, you don't say the word Sidious, And the fact that he said it was, again, an homage to the first three. It was like, oh, so you recognize that they're a real thing. <laughs> and it's not not existent in this whole entire series. That's really cool. But Laura, yeah, Jer- Laura Jern's character, um, I loved her. I loved the fact that when I read the scene with her and Leia at the end where she says, I can't take any more losses – and Laura Dern's character, um, when uh, Holdo says, uh, "Yes, you can. You've taught me how to," was a script was not a scripted line. That's one she came off with off the cuff. And I'm like, "Oh," because she loved Carrie so much. She grew up with Princess Leia, and was like, "You taught me how to take loss." Because that's what you did as Princess Organa. I'm like, Oh, that is awesome. That like, I love that line even more. And then also her and Carrie worked out the may the force, uh, mm, mm, that whole like in between scene where it was like, they didn't know who to say who may the force be with you. She's like, go ahead. You can say it. I've said it enough. And they both said, may the force be with you. I loved it. It wasn't Mm -hmm. a scene, wasn't a scripted scene. Again, they worked it out together in the midst of it happening. So I'm like, you know, Laura's character was even like, loved her just as Carrie Fisher and then loved her as, you know, Princess Leia, so it was really cool. But man, the scene where she turns the ship around and goes to light speed in order to take that out, the fact that they cut the music, they cut the volume, it was silent when it happened, was magnificent. It. That was
1: one of the most spectacular scenes in just about any movie that I've ever seen. Just the visual effects from cutting through everything, like you said, the silence—it it was phenomenal. There was—I have—I have goosebumps now just talking about it right now.
0: Our theater, like audible, like the, I'm not even kidding you. Like I, when people say that, I laugh. There was a gasp in the theater, like, <gasps> like everybody like said that, and then like some guy was like in the back was like, "Oh shit!" I was like. It was inc- it was crazy like it, that was
1: me in my theater. It, I just wanted to. It shit. was
0: it was awesome. Like I liked it because those moments don't happen a lot in anything anything I've ever been to. So for that to happen, and I was invested. And I'm like, I was thinking it. He said it. All of us were gasping. It was like, wow. And because one, Lightspeed has never done that. Like you've never been able to go through a ship because if you had, like, why didn't she even turn the, the ship around? initially to do that it happened and then i was thinking to myself man and i was i was watching something oh i don't even remember who was talking about it on twitter today could have been it was it might have been austin walker and everybody was last asking about the lord's urn character why is her hair color blue it's kind of weird whatever she has this ridiculous backstory about how she was anti against her own planet and her and princess leia were friends when they were in teenagers and, like, this whole huge backstory, I'm like, man, a book about them being friends when they were teenagers would be awesome. Because I liked her character. I thought she would, to me, of the new characters that, that were introduced, I liked Holdo the most. And I'm like, why did yes. she have to die? I'm sorry, I'm done talking. I just, I'm gushing over Laura Dern's portrayal in that. It was, I, it wasn't very long, but I thought it was really, really good. She's just great in
2: everything she's in, Laura Dern. And um, you're right, even without a lot of screen time, I think her character had a lot of weight, and she really, um, she was a valuable character, and you felt that loss, and you went, wow, you know, she's only been on the screen for, what, eight minutes total,
0: And, and I'm sad to see her go. I was sad to see her go more than I was Phasma. Like that—that's saying something. Like I actually—I had, had more invested in her than Phasma, which, by the way, they bring Phasma back, and she's on that. She's on Snoke's ship, and so there's a there's the huge fight scene that has to go with her and Finn. And I love the fact that that they captured Finn, and for us, oh, another side note. I'm starting to get flustered. Can we talk about how? BB-8 can do literally everything and anything at any given time. (laughs) It's annoying at this point. It's like, dude. Dude, he's a Swiss army knife of droids. Like, you can't run an ATSC. You're not capable. You are just not capable of doing this. Like, it's frustrating. I get what they're trying to do, but like, you lose eight, you lose him for a minute and you're like, oh, well, he's probably going to come save the day. He's probably going to come shooting out of gun with something. And then he does. And I'm like, come on. Like, don't do that. But Phasma, Phasma looked badass. Like, I thought she looked fantastic. Um, I I think she gets a, ru- a, a rough deal. She's dead, by the way. Like, I'm sorry, oh, yeah. I didn't mean to spoil that. But, like, yeah, she's dead. Like, she definitely got Bubba Fett-ed in this in this event. There's no coming back. People are like, oh, she fell, but she might come back just like she did in the last one. Nope, she's not coming back. Like, people who die in the way that she died don't come back. Especially because when her and Finn had the, fa- the, the match, which... He didn't know that she was female until it cut. And then he looked at her and he gave her that stare. And it was like, oh, wow, that's kind of weird. It it humanized her for like a second and then she dies. Um, So I like Phasma, but she's definitely Boba Fett in this entire like she's not coming back. It's over with her six minutes that she was on screen were fantastic. And I feel really crappy about it because I'm sure she has a really great backstory and would be amazing (laughs) on screen.
2: Yep. But like a lot of cool characters, I'd rather her be used well and then disappear. Like having a satisfying end of Finn killing her is uh, that's a great way to end it. And I'd rather less is more, you know, rather than linger on and, and overuse her.
0: Luke was pulled out of this entire fight and had said as much. And then he gets on the Falcon. And when you it's like getting into your first car. You remember where all the buttons are. You remember the feel. You get excited, and he sees the dice, which I didn't realize. Like I, I've read about the story of the dice now, which is, is which is a really cool thing. Um, and they were on the original. They were in A New Hope. They weren't in an Empire Strikes Back or War. They weren't in uh, Return of the Jedi. But they I, I, apparently they hold a, a really high value and will be in the uh, the solo film. They are the dice that were bronzed because that was how he won the millennium falcon against lando calrissian which is freaking awesome by the way i'm, mm-hmm. I'm super excited about that um and they've updated them it used to be just a, like a pair of like uh six-sided die that they've now kind of kind of converted into like more of a star warsian version of dice um but he grabs that he he turns on the falcon and then he runs into an old friend. And he turns the corner and he sees R2. And in the most, I like literally my heart melted when R2 sees him and gets excited, almost like a kid who sees his dad that he hasn't seen in a really long time. And they have the conversation, like the weird, like R2 and like, you know, Luke conversation. And then he plays the video of the Obi Wan, You're My Only Hope. And yeah. it couldn't have been more perfect in the spot that it was done. He calls like, and Hamill calls him out and was like, "Wow, that's like in the most like to the camera, yeah, to the camera. Like, are you kidding me? That's a little much. Like, <laughs> I mean, don't don't do this to me." But it it made sense because the rebellion needed him. Leia needed him. Like, what? Remember why you're Luke Skywalker. So I thought it was I. I man of all of the things that they did, where it was a callback to anything, to me that was the one that meant the most. I don't I don't know what you guys' thoughts were, but like I when I saw it, I was like, oh yes, thank you.
2: Yeah, unlike running into um, I don't know the two guys, Walrus Man and 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 the other dude in um, in uh, Rogue One. You know when they're walking around in the streets of Jeddah. Uh, unlike that. I think that every little callback or, you know, something from the past movies that resurfaced in here fit and made absolute sense and belonged there. And that was one of them. You know, it was a moment where as a fan you go, "Oh man, but it totally fit and worked in the story. There was nothing in there that was a throwback that felt forced to me
0: at all anywhere in the movie, and I was really glad about that. So Luke has a has a change of heart and the the rebellion or the resilient oh jesus i i have such a hard time doing this rebellion goes back to crate and they hop on what is now referred to as the salt slash ski speeders which they call the ski speeders because they hop on that one which looks like an ice ski and it was awesome because finn doesn't know how to run it and it's what was referred to as the old b-wings like they hop on them and they're like oh wow i can fly on these it almost looked like one of the the speed one of the from the races uh in the original trailer or from the, tri- pod, yeah, the pod racers which mm-hmm. i thought was really cool and they're beat up because they're the reason why they're going to create it's an old rebellion base we talked about this and none of the stuff works but like they're trying to like recoup all this stuff to at least have a stronghold and we were right about the fact that they were like Kylo was attacking, and that's why Leia was sitting at the front, and they knew that this was the last stand. And they were like, well, we need—our only hope is if we had a piece of hope, which would be Luke, but he's never coming. He's, like, we don't even know where he is. They didn't even know Rey was coming. So all of the new ATATs and those attack troopers are coming at them, and they're coming to the front door. And, of course, the the Voltex, the Ice Dogs, uh, are sitting up at the front. And they serve a purpose in this. We just don't know about it until the end.
1: Great. How did the AT-ATs and all that
0: get onto the planet? We don't know. That was, that was mean, random. It,
1: that is a plot hole because all of the First Order ships that were up there were practically destroyed when she took her ship to light speed through the other
2: ones. Because well, it showed all of the ships. I just took it through the, the big main one. I think the other. Um... No, no, no.
1: It, it showed the other ships falling and taking damage because of that
2: as well. No, I see, I actually. Was that all the other ships? To me, I thought it was like because it was through light speed and it was sort of an interdimensional thing, you were seeing like repeated images of the same ship that was split. That makes sense. Because it all yeah. looked like the same split in the same spot. I'd have to see that again. I thought it was just almost like a kaleidoscope vision of the one ship being split. I could be wrong.
0: Well, we go on the planet and we realize that it's a salt planet. The reason why uh, the color changes to red is because you're kicking up the salt, and it's almost like leaving a dirt mark, like while while you're moving. And that's the point where Poe or where Poe is leading the group, and Finn is trying to go towards the battering ram that's going to try to knock down the wall, and Kylo is calling for it. And eventually Luke shows up. And this, we, we, uh, when we talked about the, the scene we between with Kylo and Ray with Snoke, at that point they fight over the hilt of, uh, at, at, well, it's Anakin Skywalker's hilt for the blue saber and it breaks. So Luke comes in and he goes over to Leia. And he talks to her and Fauci, you, you mentioned this, or uh, maybe D you mentioned this and they, you know, your kid's a bad kid. And unfortunately he's not coming back from the, from this evil crap. So I'm going to have to take him out. I just want to make sure we're cool. And he hasn't seen her in a long time because he feels guilty about the fact that, you know, Ben turned and she's like, you know, I agree. The moment that what I liked about this scene was we, we know Carrie's past. So him giving her a kiss on the forehead and handing her the dice and he basically says to her you know just because we're gone doesn't mean we're always go- you know what I mean we'll always be around and he hands her Hans dice and it's it's him saying he's going to be going away but it's also the fact that we know that she's going to be going away so it's a, it's a really emotional moment apparently on the on the set it was like the it was referred to as church because it was that silent and the emotion and the, and the moment was very like like everybody was very on that scene, uh, and it was so special. But the first thing I noticed, I'm like, "Man, he's cleaned up his beard and he's got a lot thinner. Why is his beard brown?" Uh, he got young. He got quick. young quick, and I immediately was like, "Oh wow, this is Robert Downey Jr. all over again." Like I really thought, I, th- I I I immediately thought the CGI of Robert Downey Jr. because like that was where my head was while I'm watching it, and. Can, can I just interject go and ahead. say that I I had the same reaction, and I thought to myself,
2: okay, so there's this giant crisis, and he's going to have a hero moment and and show up and help save the day, but he has time to stop and, like, go get a haircut just and right? for beard yeah. and, like, just for so that he looks fresh? Are you kidding me?
0: Like, dude, just go save people. What are you doing, man? <laughs> so then he stands out there, and Kylo is just like, F that. All cannons shoot, and they just shoot the hell out of him. Like it's like a a solid minute and a half of just gunfire on this guy, and smoke races, and he's still there. And it was he like has that moment where he's like, "Yeah, bring it." Like, and I'm like, "Okay." So Kylo gets down off of his ship. He actually has to get on the ship to get down to get down to him. And so they have that moment, and. The first time he tries to, like, go after him, Luke does the Matrix on that, like, lightsaber and, like, goes down. I'm like, damn, Hamill's in shape. Like, I really, I like, at first I was thinking, this is awesome. Still
1: not. You got to remember Yoda from uh, episode two.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I mean, he's sitting there walking around with a cane, fragile old thing. And, you know, all of a sudden he's taking on Dooku like it's nothing.
0: And so then the next moment is him going against Luke. And he hits him. And you can see the saber hit Luke. And all of a sudden, he he disappears. And then he's behind him. And I'm like, what the f- Like, okay, I can get force like he just moved or something. And then he gives the Obi-Wan line. Where if you strike me down in anger. And I'm like, oh man, that's that's the second time you said something awesome in like the last five minutes. And I was really pumped up again. And then he goes to kill him, and he's a ghost. And I'm like, oh, shit. Like, how does this work? Like, I didn't even know what happened. At that moment, I didn't even know what was going on. I'm like, is he in the building? Was it really him that was in the building? And then he's just portraying himself out there? I had no idea what was going on. And then he gave the Han Solo line, and I about shit my pants. And I'm sorry for cursing. I was so excited. And he was like... (laughs) he He just said, "See you around, kid." And I'm like, "Oh, that's such a that's literally Han solo to a T, and then he disappears as a ghost. I'm like, Yes, and it was awesome. and he just left them there like a a little boy like all, like pissed off about the fact that he just lost. It was the <laughs> I, it blew me away. I had no idea he like imaged himself someplace else. I don't even know what the hell they're calling it right now. It's force somethinging. I have no idea. They're giving it a name, but projection. I projection maybe, but like it first of all, did, nobody knew that force projection was even a thing. It, it's not in comic books. It's not in rebel or the, the, the rebels. It's not in anything. It's never happened before. So, and he did it all sitting Buddhist style on Octu it blew my mind it freaking blew my mind dude i like i don't that know that
2: and the line where where he does for the second time in the movie he says everything about what you just said is wrong you know oh, that, yeah. the other and also forgot and about that i'm not the last jedi you know I forgot and, about that. and he's like oh my god you know i I was like he's took a hundred percent in control of this situation the entire time like he's he has kylo ren in a palm of his hand right now uh yeah, and then that reveal that he's sitting there on Octu. That, and then, you know, he's used all of his, like, life force or All of his you force juice is gone. To yeah. do that. And then just on his way out, he sort of is able to pull himself together and have a vision of the two sun sunset. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, at peace as he fades off. Just, uh, I felt way better about that death than i did han solo in the last movie for sure the last movie the movie ended and i was like i don't know if this is a happy ending i'm still upset (laughs) this one you're like yeah man and i'll
0: see you in episode nine because you're totally going to be a force ghost like speaking of force ghosts and i want to rewind just a really quick um we before this all happened on act two um luke decides he was going to try to light fire to the tree that had the uh, the the book of wills in it, and Yoda Yoda shows up as a Force ghost, which I don't even know how Force ghosts happen. Like they, I guess they just show because I'm dying to have a Hayden Christian. Qui Gon was the one that
1: originally discovered how to do it, and Qui Gon, after he had done it, told
0: Yoda how to do it. Then Yoda,
1: after Yoda was dead, told Obi Wan how to do it.
0: Now, well, can you Obi Wan tell Hayden Christian how to do it so that we can talk to Ben because that would be awesome. <laughs> Uh, but Yoda, like, it's so weird because it should set us up to know that he was going to be a ghost when he talked to Leia. Because Yoda was able to, when he was going to strike the the Book of Wills down, or Journal of the Wills, not Book of Wills, Journal of the Wills, um, strike it down, Yoda struck down the tree. And Yoda said to him, which is great because when you're watching a movie... It's one thing to have Luke Skywalker say, "You know what? You're right. the The Jedi is all bullshit." But for Yoda to say, "You're right. The Jedi is all bullshit," is like having the most iconic character of a Jedi say that. Is and that's basically what he said. It it was whole. It, it Yoda in this was was uh, Rafiki in The Lion King. He was like, "Oh, it's in the yeah. past," and he whacks him in the head. Like, forget about it. Like it, that's what it reminded me of. It mm-hmm. was like you know, you're right, it's all in the past, forget about the past, like, let's move on. Um, maybe it's just
2: semantics, but I, I take it a slightly different way, and okay. that it's not the Jedi are dead, because they're not, mm-hmm. it's the Jedi need to be different than they ever were, Sure, and we need to evolve them, which is, you know, a minor thing, but I think that's, you know, it's it's worth mentioning, because he's it, it didn't end up, you know, the time for the Jedi to end, they didn't end. They're going to continue with Ray, but what's great is they're going to be different, and you know they're going to take a different approach. and And she's going to surpass all those who came before him, which is what Yoda was alluding to too. That's hard to do, but mm. you know, as the master, you're going to be surpassed. Now, I think it's really it opens up a lot of exciting doors to see what Ray ends up doing I th- uh, in the next one.
0: To your point, it's like you know, Luke took what yoda said and took it that to a next level ray's gonna take what you say and she's gonna take that to the next level and we have to realize that the books uh the you know the our bible is kind of hard text to read and it's really old and doesn't pertain to like what like what's happening at this moment like so maybe we need to morph that and make it whatever it is the next thing is going to be if we're going to survive as a as a religion, our religion has to change. Like, we have to change. And now, for us to be okay there's... with it, for Yoda to say that, we have to be... Like, that makes me okay with it. Because, like, if Luke just says it, I'm not okay. But Yoda, it's like, oh, so, mm-hmm. you know, my grandpa said it was okay. Okay, it's okay. Like, that's that's kind of how I feel.
1: Did Yoda know that the journal was not in the tree?
0: Uh, I, he did. When he lit it like, a Christmas tree, he stopped him because yeah. that he knew that it wasn't there the fact there's a couple of things that happened one there was a force ghost two there was a uh, a force projection three uh force ghosts can actually physically touch people we didn't know that we didn't know that people could have like mind force connections like kylo and ray and actually touch each other that can happen we also didn't know people can have lightning bolts shoot down from the sky being a force ghost and like burn a tree that can happen so there's a lot of things that we did not know that were like real things that could happen um, Ryan, again, taking what we know as Star Wars and like turning it on its head and saying, okay, whatever you think is, is, is normal is not, and this is normal. This is the new normal. So like, just get adjusted.
1: Do you think these things were possible because they were at the birthplace of the Jedi religion?
0: I am you know, I don't even think so. I think it was just because like, I think that it was. Yoda and Luke's connection was much stronger than than Yoda and Ben's because otherwise they would have brought Ben in. You know what I mean? Like, because Ben was the originator. Like, I, it, I, I just think that Yoda was brought in because he's, for any old Star Wars fan, meaning somebody who grew up with Star Wars, myself, you, you know, D, whatever. Like, I, what Yoda says is gospel to me. Like, you know what I mean? And so if he says it's okay, then it's okay for me to move on. And he said it's okay to move on. So for me, it's okay to move on. I, like, I think that's why he was actually brought in. I think for no other reason was for all older fans to know that it's okay that this moves in this direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I trust him, which is, it sounds weird. I trust, uh, an animated figure, but like with Star Wars, I trust what Yoda says and he says it's okay. So it's okay. But uh, hey,
2: you, you know, this actually makes me think of something. And I, I don't know if this is tangential, but um, talking about all of these new powers and the force projections and uh, both Luke uh, on, the, on uh, the planet crate mm-hmm. and the dice that he brought were both force projections. Yes, they were. So he handed the force projected dice to Leia. Mm-hmm. Kylo Ren eventually picked them up and they faded away. So, did Leia know the whole time that Luke was a force projection and not really himself? Yes, I believe. I, I, I yes, I know. I know that she did. I know that he did not because she's force sensitive. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, like I think that he was able to mask it to him, and the fact that the dice went away and he was like, you know, see you around, kid, or whatever. I, I believe that's what he said to him. But the I, I think Ben's anger blinded him yep. to the thought the fact that there's a projection there Mm -hmm. but it also Um, led to the whole let the past die because he killed his father and it just withered in his hand like the past died like it died like it's gone and but for her that and that's why she said to him like they needed a distraction to get away she knew that he was the distraction and that's what they said like poe said to them he's like they were ready to like fight. Let's go out with him. Let's go with Luke. And Poe's like, no, he's trying to be a distraction right now. We have to get the f out of here. We have to go now. Like, he's he's doing the one thing he can do. And he didn't know he was a force ghost. Like he just knew that he was there. And that's why they found uh the Voltex, the those ice dogs, and found the way out towards where Rey was at. I mean, the the Falcon came down with air support, but then the Falcon was coming around and was like, she was like, "Find us. We'll try to get everybody that we can, and then we're gonna get the hell out of here," which is wh- exactly what happened. And um, it, at the end, I think what was great was eventually, I, I Leia knew that Luke was dead, but to see her have the Force and lift those rocks out of the way, everybody who thought that the Jedi religion was dead, see her do it and was like oh crap wow that's not normal you know what I mean like everyone, <laughs> like that like so now everybody knows that she has the force but I, I don't think before this movie anybody knew that she had that now they do because there was nothing that led up to that point in fact I mean if you watch the end of the movie Poe and her never even met up until this point Right. I mean she only knew Finn so anybody that's hopping on this ship or anybody or besides Leia d- didn't know who she was. And um, at the end of the movie, she's like, I don't know how we're going to be able to fight the first order. I don't know if we have enough. And, and Leia says to her, you know, we have everything that we need. So we have Poe, we have Finn, we have you, we have all we need that, that we need to get through this. And you can see where, Carrie Fisher would have been a major, major part of episode nine. Like, because she was the last, this, this was set up. Han dies in one, Luke dies in two, Leia dies in three. Like it was set for this. And now Carrie's not going to be there. So it makes it even harder.
2: Hey, another question about the evacuation, because I'm sitting there and I'm in the theater and it's the last couple of minutes And, you know, images of that brilliant fight with Ray and Kylo Ren and the Praetorian Guards are running through my mind. And holy cow, what did Luke just do? And all this stuff. And then uh, Ray shows up to, to save everybody. Did everybody that survived from the resistance... It all fit on the Falcon. Yes. Yes. Yeah. They because did. there, so, like, there wasn't it a lot of people. Literally, was like twenty people, yep. and that's it. That was it,
1: with the exception of the people who never responded to their plea for help. Yep. That are out on the outer rim. Yeah.
0: When you looked at the them.
1: entire resistance or rebellion, however you want to call it, was on the Falcon right then.
0: And I, I think that's why D she made that comment. Do we have enough? And and Fisher said we have enough people to make this happen. Is because when she looked at the people that were coming on the ship, she's like, geez, we, what do we have, like, 30, 40 people? And that's why they panned to those kids at the end. And that kid quickly, like, grabs the broom with the force stick. You know what I mean? Like, with the, with the force. Mm-hmm. Is, it like, there's still, there's still a group of people that have the force. There's still the people that, when Qui-Gon was looking, found Anakin and when they were looking they found Luke and they they formed a school and Ray could easily be a teacher of some sort at some point there's going to be people that are part of the rebellion that are the downtrodden or the people that don't have money or whatever and that are on Cantabine or wherever they are and i know the kid only had the ring because Rose gave it to him but that's a sign of the uh, of the resistance and that Faith travels. That hope travels across, you know, the galaxy. And I feel like there's more people than they know, but those people don't have access to have communication to say that they're with them. Do, does that make sense? Like they, like, yes. like they don't have a, a communication to a, a speaker or whatever, but they're with the resistance. So if I feel like they're going to find more people are part of their of their group than they even know. They just don't have access to reach them yet. So I I think that's that, that the end of this leads to hope like, and Ray being air quotes, the Ray of hope. You know what I mean? Like she's the person that like, she's the new Luke. If we follow her, we'll be okay. And so I'm hoping that that it, I don't even know where this is going to go. I honestly, like I left this movie and I'm like, where are they? Where are they taking this? Like, I have no idea. Like, There's no Supreme Leader. There's Supreme Leader Solo. Like, I uh, don't—Supreme Leader Ren? Like, is he going to lead—is there going to be the Knights of Ren? Like, are they bringing them back? Did they disappear? Yes. J.J. talked about the Knights of Ren. Is he—because he's taking over, are they going to be a thing? Um, I'll tell you why they
2: are. Luke said, when he was telling the story to Rey what happened— He said, yeah, Kylo Ren, you know, he killed most of the students, and he took a few of them with him. So, there's your Knights of Ren right there. He said that he took a few of the students from the Jedi Academy with him.
1: Snoke also mentioned that Kylo was the master
2: of the Knights of Ren. Yeah. I I think, here's here's my theory. My, I just saw the last Jedi a couple hours ago theory. Uh, And I'm sure it'll evolve. First of all, Everything from the end of Force Awakens to the end of Last Jedi happened in less than a week. Yes. So there still has not been time for the galaxy to come to grips with or do anything about the enormous power vacuum that happened when, you know, they destroyed the Republic. So Kylo Ren now, now that he's in the driver's seat of the First Order with, uh, General Hux uh, getting put in his place and being second in command to him. I love Hux. Uh, yeah, that was that was great. Uh, I think that he's gonna come to the forefront and help put together, uh, you know, a government and start and take over in a big way. And it's gonna take a long time for the resistance to build up, to be able to put up any kind of a resistance. I think that I think that there's gonna be a time jump, uh, because it's gonna give it time where like the next movie. All that will be in place, I think. Um, you know, and I think that Kylo Ren at that point is going to bring the Knights of Ren out because now that he's in charge, he can get his boys out to, you know, back him up and and kind of be around him and, and do his bidding and that sort of thing.
0: I, they, I think they need the Knights of Ren because Kylo by himself is not enough. So they need something in order to make his... They, they need a, an emperor. They need a Snoke. And if Kylo has a group behind him, it makes him more a little bit more powerful and props him up a little bit more. Um, what I hope for the next film is I don't want an easy out. I agree with you. I, he's He's evil. I don't want a redemption story. I want him continuing down this path. Like, I want him to... He is this person. And whether he escapes that In the trilogy and ends up being untouched, and then we never know what happens or whatever, or he comes to grips with it. I don't care, but stay the course. I I hope they don't diverge. I don't want a redemption story because it's just too cookie cutter and too easy way out for this. Yeah, and if anything, he might end up
2: have like a, you know, last hurrah, let me do this one act of good on my way out kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, but there's definitely no. I'm turning to the good for good, and I'm gonna go on and you know lead a happy life. And you know Ray and I are gonna go have tea.
1: Yeah. He he's gonna follow in his grandfather's footsteps, Vader. He's gonna turn to the light right at the last second, right before he sacrifices himself.
0: Could be. I don't know. I I I like I said. I'm curious on where they're gonna take this. It's 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 almost like. Ryan took a middle finger to JJ and was like, Yeah, everything that you set up, I'm not gonna do. And so now I'm leaving you with this. And he he wasn't even leaving this for JJ at the time. He was leaving this for a previous director who's now been taken over by Ryan, who was like or by JJ, and was like, Oh wow, I, I left everything all in place. What the hell happened? Snoke's dead, I don't have a I don't have a major plot point. What's going on? So it's kind of cool. Like I I I love it. Um I hope that JJ doesn't go safe and continues to go down this path because I like the unsafe path. I think it's like my kids are going to be watching star Wars. If we just do Luke Skywalker, guess what happens? The rebels win. And then, uh, then the dark side wins. And then the rebels win again. Like it doesn't, it doesn't go anywhere. Like it's got to go someplace. You have to take me somewhere. And that's why I sent to you Fouts. Like initially I was pissed off because I was just George Lucas focused. And I'm thinking, you know, the George Lucas films were not that great. Like they weren't, the storylines weren't not that, weren't that good. The character portrayal, like the arcs were not that great. This is risking something. This is doing something. Like it's taking us someplace where Star Wars is more than just a fan fiction, sh- like movie. We actually have something where I'm on an emotional, you know, journey. And I have to think about what's going on. Like continue that because it's testing everything I know. Which initially pisses me off, but with anything that's brand new and is transitional, it frustrates you at first, and then you're like, oh, wait, yeah, no, I get that. So, like, I – now I'm, like, craving, like, new stories and new things. Uh, I was talking to my son about, like – I want to read the Inferno Squad. I want to read about Phasma. I want, to, I want the new novels because I want to know what's going on in this world that's outside of these characters that builds up this world.
2: Yes, and in a way that the prequels didn't do, uh, I think The Force Awakens and now this movie in an even bigger way brought a lot of the fun back to Star Wars. You know when you watch the original trilogy and you, and you look at the off-handed comments and the underhanded ins uh, you know under his breath insults from Han Solo and you know his bickering with Leia and all these great fun moments, uh, you know you were on a, a a ride that made you smile as much as it made you tense and and nervous. Uh, you know that's that's been brought back and there are huge epic battles and giant moments and you know that fight with the Praetorian Guards was amazing and there are all these things but there are moments that are funny and humorous and make these people uh the and these characters human and likable and uh they're people that I want to hang out with again in the in episode 9
0: yeah that fight with the pitarian guards as a side note is probably one of the best um lightsaber scenes in any Star Wars film like it it uh, I actually would have rather seen them be a little bit more downtrodden and a little bit beat up even more but the fight scene with them in the in that against them was probably one of the best action scenes that they've ever played in a Star Wars film. It was it was pretty pretty awesome, um, and that includes the prequels because the prequels had a lot of lightsaber scenes. It was just um, I think it was more because it was live action. There wasn't a lot. There was CGI was very limited in that, and there was just a you could see the intricacies of uh, of sword work. That were required in order to do that type of scene. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think we're closing in on on the end of this uh, spoiler cast. Anything for overall thoughts uh, or projections for what we think is going to go into the future, or your thoughts just in general of the Last Jedi?
2: Well, for me, again, you know, uh, overall, I just really, really enjoyed it. I can't wait to go back and watch it again. And watch the way that Leia reacts to Luke when he's a projection. And, you know, watch for all these little things that I'd like to, you know, consider a little bit more. Uh, but it was just so much fun. I had a blast watching it. I can't wait to see more. And um, I don't know. It's good stuff. It was a good day. Brandon, for you?
1: Um, I'm just still blown away. Still trying to process everything. I will be going to see it again uh, this week I believe I'm gonna be taking the wife. I went with just my dad. Um, opening night had a great time at the Super IMAX 3D theater. It was phenomenal.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm like I said. I've I've witnessed the movie in theater, and then we'll say outside of the theater. Um, I'm going to be seeing it again in the theater uh, with my youngest because I know he wants to go see it. But uh, the thing that I'm I'm looking forward the most is to. <coughs> Pardon me, uh, see the scenes that were um, just the major scenes. I, I'm looking more for how the actors are taking in the scene and how they're what they're giving to the scene so much as the scene itself, because those are the things that speak to me the most. Um, I know what the scene is, but like to to, to D's point, um, how is Carrie giving? You know, like, does she recognize it? Is it something that she knows? Does she give a cue that that's the case? Those sort of things. Um, overall, again, I've been on a roller coaster ride. I was angry. Uh, I was George Lucas focused. I backed away from that. Um, I've taken the time to take a look at it again. And uh, I just love where, where Ryan's taking this film. Whether I'm 100% on the ride, I don't know if I'm 100%. But, like, I don't need to be. I just need to be on the train. I don't need to be, like, 100% on the train. You know what I mean? Like, I just take me wherever it's going to go and i'll be on the next the next one and we'll see what happens um i loved it and um it's it's totally had me question anything any validity of any star wars movie and or book i've ever read it's like is that real i don't know because like things can be changed Hmm.
1: so after seeing this version of star wars by this director how do you feel about him doing a, another trilogy of something different with Star Wars?
0: Yes, please.
1: <laughs> yes, please, yeah.
0: because he has full reign. Like he yeah. he has literally whatever he has the trust of Disney and they were like we we were for them to come out this early on even this film knowing he's not directing the next film and say we're giving you the next uh trilogy and you can do whatever you want with it says to me that they have full faith in the fact that he's going to create something or a world that's going to be amazing. And he is a huge effing Star Wars fan. I mean, beyond huge. Like, this guy eats, sleeps, and breathes Star Wars. I've watched him in, in interviews. I've watched him uh, on other television programs and in writing on how much he knows. And it is encompassing on how much he knows about this world. All right, so... Uh, That's our final thoughts on uh, the Star Wars The Last Jedi uh, teaser trailer slash spoiler cast slash other teaser trailer. Like, we've (laughs) gone through, like, the whole entire, like, circle now, I think, with the three of us, which is freaking awesome. Um, Brandon, where can people find you at?
1: Uh, You can find me on Twitter at
0: BFouts82. And uh, Dave, where can people find you at?
2: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Big D one one two
0: three five eight, and I have recently swapped up my Twitter account. You can find me at Tophernunes Topher uh, on Twitter, and for Geekologist Radio and the Ninja Pancake family of podcasts, uh, and the Star Wars. Uh, yeah, you can wear me out.